there's only so many recursive jokes you can make. You'll start repeating a lot of them, you know? <laughs> see, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. So I went to a hackathon over the weekend. Baseball. Baseball hackathon. Do you watch baseball? I used to watch a lot of baseball. Um, I don't have the channel anymore. <laughs> I, I don't. Isn't it just like the main channel? No, so... Well, you ha- so it. before I used to have like Comcast Sports and it was always on there. But now I have to like search around and see like what channel is showing the Phillies or like sometimes it's NBC, sometimes it's other things. It's, it's kind of annoying. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You could I get should... MLB at bat, which I've heard is a really good service. So that's what was one of the prizes I was hoping to win, but I did not win that one. You so. did you win anything? Did you win nothing? So there are only like ten people, so everybody got a prize. Um, everyone's a winner everyone's a winner and i got four phillies tickets nice so wait you you conveniently got four phillies tickets Mm -hmm. you mean for turning incompletes outing to the baseball (laughs) oh yeah that's a pretty good idea (laughs) i'm did no one else see that transparently (laughs) and Um, i mean everyone can bring their partners they can just you know buy them buy them tickets from the scalpers outside (laughs) but then they won't be next to each other Eh, whatever. I don't know. I always go stand in the feet. I end up with... Oh, the, oh right, because they're actually seats. I've never had seats at a Phillies game. All of our partners are just hanging out together and we're somewhere else. Yeah, they're like waving at us from like the field. So what did you make? Oh, I made an app that... So I pitched this app and then I was like, oh, man, I don't want to do this anymore. And then somebody was like, but I don't want to try. And I was like, really? And uh, I was like, all right, well, I can't say no to this person. So we we built this thing. Um, so say you have a budget of uh, $50 and you want to go to a game. Either you and your significant other or just you. Uh, it shows you like upcoming games and then the tickets that you can purchase for that game under the, pri- the budget that you put in. Um, and for each ticket, it shows you a picture from that section um, so you can see what your view would look like. Uh, at the nice. end, at the end of the day, we added in. Um, I got the beer prices, the average beer price from 2014 for each stadium, and we did beer count for that seat if you bought the ticket. So after you bought your ticket, how much money would you have left to get a drink? Or it would be nice to do all food, but I couldn't find, figure out uh, where to get that data. It's pretty cool. Yeah, there was some cool stuff there. This this these two guys built. Uh, so they analyzed like all the pitching data for each, not each, they had like four pitchers. And then they used 3JS to do some 3D stuff in the browser. And the ball would get pitched with physics using the, from the data that they analyzed. Wow. And you'd have to try to um, pick the quadrant of like the, in, the, in the zone that the ball is going to. Oh, so you're like batting with a mouse? Yeah, it was super difficult. Yeah. Um, and in the morning when they were pitching the edit, no one wanted to be on their team because it sounded so difficult to, to build. And they ended up getting like the grand prize. And they did super good work for uh, one day. Sounds impressive. Yeah. What technologies do you use? The, I, I use a Rails API, and the other person on my team built the iOS app. One of the other apps was uh, a baseball card creator. It was Kyle's, and he, he won Best Design. Uh, he's a designer. Kyle um, Fiedler, the uh, thought yeah, and uh, so it was like take names, all the names from baseball history, nicknames, and put them together, and then 
take all the weirdest injuries and then he'd make a baseball card with <laughs> like two names together with a really weird injury and a really weird picture from the 60s or 70s or something like that. So it was pretty funny. Got a lot of laughs. Wow. So I would say that I don't like, I usually don't like hackathons, but it turns out a one day hackathon is doable. I guess one day it's not stressful. It's just like whatever. So one day hackathons people. I've never been to a hackathon, uh, actually. That's not true. I went to a Philly Give Camp a couple times. But that oh, was really? Before. Yeah. I used, I used to love Give Camps, but I got burned out on them. Uh, Philly Give Camp is hosted at Microsoft, which I don't know is really relevant. but um, It kind of is, from my experience. But Yeah. Uh, a bunch of nonprofits sign up to have their projects there, and some people from the nonprofit show up that weekend uh, and then there's a bunch of developers and designers and project managers and copy editors and all kinds of stuff and then you they pitch their ideas sometimes you're just kind of assigned to a team but you um usually it's like something they already have something existing and they want to improve it or they need help with something like uh, a redesign or some new functionality on a site or even like people are doing like sql things uh like geo sql optimizations the one year people made iphone apps for um people with learning disabilities, uh, all, all kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I just, I moved to the other side of the river and I have family, so I just can't go there anymore. But it was, it was really cool the first time I went. The second time I was paired with somebody I really didn't get along with and uh, it was a miserable weekend. <laughs> yeah, I had a few really positive gift cap experiences and then I just had a nightmare one where I just had people on my team who were just too junior and they... It was depressing because they really wanted to help out, but they really, you know, were just, I was just running around trying to like get all their machines set up. And then we just didn't ship anything at the end of the weekend that I didn't sleep at all during. If you can imagine the stress of like not sleeping through a weekend, it was just a miserable experience. And then looking back, like two of the projects we did ship, like did not ever get used. Mm. Uh, I think there's like a lot of these nonprofits just have something intrinsically wrong that like no one there could have like picked up the gauntlet and built something, whether it was just like, you know, something in Excel or Access or Google Docs to like fill that need. So I think a lot of times we just give them an app and then they don't know what to do with it. I mean, you could make an Excel sheet for them. That's programming. I mean, I really, I really love that in, in concept and I wish there was a way to make it more successful because i'd love to give to charity and you know being that we have a certain skill that's you know like demands a high rate it feels weird to like serve food at a food kitchen which is not something i'm good at like i'd rather use my skill why are you not good at a food kitchen like what would make you say that you have to put food on a plate right so how can you how can that. you actually be bad at that no he's saying that that is not like his I, know, I, just, I liked. I yeah. like. I, I'm. I was on Team Jervon and trying to mess with Len and saying he was like <laughs> actually bad at serving food. That's like one of the rare times that I got. I think I got what Jervon was going for. Yes. <laughs> well, you might not be serving it. You might be making it. Or mm -hmm. right. Maybe one but of the. But that's skills also. Is like, you know what also works? Mm. Making lots of money and then donating that money. <laughs> right. There you go. I could just spend the day and like do some consulting and then pay like people to work at a soup kitchen. I mean, I wasn't directly doing that. <laughs> I meant more donate to the general fund. Right. <laughs> um, but there is a. A joy of doing it yourself sometimes. Uh, maybe sometimes it's frustrating, but like making a friend at the soup kitchen, it's kind of cool. Or not, not necessarily the soup kitchen, but like, you know, at the like, give camp, like 
working with one of these nonprofits and getting to know what they do. And then, like, you see around town that the impact, like, they're having or... Yeah. That seems to be more apparent with, like, the open data stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I've also never attended, but seems seems like that stuff gets used in some cases. At least I've seen it from, from externally. Sorry, I was, I was thinking back in the <laughs> lens sending somebody to a soup kitchen to work for him. <laughs> I was thinking of some twisted Silicon Valley startup where instead of volunteering, you pay somebody else to volunteer for you. It's like Uber, but for volunteering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, two more things about that whole like give camp slash like charity hackathon. I mean, one thing I did like about it, it felt, you know, like a little microcosm of a project. Like we had some requirements. We had like one sprint to do the requirements. Uh, and then we delivered them. So every every gift camp, I got you know a few lessons for building software. But I think part of the problem with that is that it still turned into a waterfall project, even though it was just a very small waterfall. It was still like we got the requirements, uh, we shipped something that the customer never actually tested, and it, I think it normally didn't completely fit their need. Mm. The first time that I had a good time at, I got mostly stuck doing design stuff. Lots lots of teams made things that were ugly and then i got plopped with like hey can you fix this for us and then the organizer saw that and started moving me around to all these different teams and i basically got got, done, got stuck doing cleanup css for the weekend but i had a good time i'm, I'm not a designer by any means but I, I guess i have a good eye have you seen the turing incomplete website designed by justin <laughs> that needs some hey love. i like our logo i do too i was a I mean, it pretty much has made. I still love that. Apparently, it looks like Black Flag. <laughs> you should. That's uh, one of the best parts. Our logo is not. We put on that. The site we put though. that in. We put that on the show notes before the Black Flag logo. Yeah, I love us in the podcast and on Twitter. But you're right; it's not on the website. But the website is themed like the logo, and it has the same font and the same colors and everything. I guess the logo is really the the font and then the colors. I still have a chore in GitHub to put our icons or little caricatures in on the site instead of just our names eh. hmm. i tried to set uh your contact information on my phone to be your quadrant of that picture last week i did it for my mac and it worked on my mac and then i tried to look that i got a message from you on my phone and it it used the the center of the image and then when i tried to put it back on your face only it, like cut it off so now on my phone there's a picture of len uh, cartoonish, the same one that's on Twitter, but his mouth is just cut off and it's just white from, from the mouth down. You're a ghost. Len, if you if you send me the black flag one, I can put it on the, the sticker marketplace. Mm. Can, you, can you rip <laughs> off the, the uh, black flag logo? Uh, Isn't that uh, fair use? Maybe. Like uh, we're making fun of them or something? Making fun of ourselves? I guess we should say we have stickers for sale on Sticker Mule now. If you go to the website and click the stickers exclamation point link, you can buy a sticker for two dollars and seventy seven cents. Free shipping. Oh, it is free shipping. Yes. I mean in the US. I think that's a that's a good deal. I mean like it's not surprising because hopefully they could drop a sticker in an envelope and sell like what is it, a stamp now, like forty one cents, forty two cents, eighty cents. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Stamps.com. It's a thing. It's a thing. I don't know. I just, I just, I, I use stamps until I run out of stamps, and then I just go and I'm like, "Give me stamps, forever stamps, please!" And then I hand them money, and then I get stamps. That is, that is my stamp strategy. Forever stamps are one of the best inventions. <laughs> I learned about forever stamps on Orange Is the New Black and the economics of them. <laughs> They're inflation proof. 
Did they sell them in the prison? No, they were saying like when they were doing drugs that you should only take forever stamps because they'll be the same value whenever you get out or whatever you're using them for. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you sell drugs and get regular stamps, the longer you wait to use them or trade them, then they're, they're worthless. Interesting. It's called economics. Pam, how is it working with other people at Hacker School? I was trying Recurse to remember the new name. Center. <laughs> Recur Center. Center. You have to you have to just just embrace it. I was like, is um, it Recur? What is uh it's the Rec Center? Yeah, whatever. The Do rec we call Center. it the Rec Center? I mean colloquially. Okay. But really the Recur Center. Um I'm working with someone on Crypto Pals challenges lately. So um, because I, it is generally unlikely that I will learn cryptography motivated in other contexts. Because uh, cryptography is is just a, a study that involves lots of math. And like it's one of those things like you learn all this stuff and you learn bother to learn lots of cryptography. And then like many things, the answer is like you aren't good enough at cryptography to think of a better algorithm to do things until you've been doing cryptography at like a PhD level. So in general... Like the amount of cryptography that the layman knows is like as much as like, you know, in practice as much as like an advanced person needs to know, if that makes sense. Like such a large uh Yeah, I mean it's just it's just yeah. Well just the to be useful. Like, eventually like you learn enough about cryptography to know that you can't implement anything any better encryption than say like you can't implement a security model better than RSA, right? Like RSA is great. Um and until someone, you know, and like people are still are definitely working on the next, you know, the next cryptography model so that one day when RSA is broken that we have something else to go to. But uh, until then, like, you know, I, like you as a person who's like vaguely interested in cryptography are not going to be that person. And so you really like you learn all these fundamentals and stuff, but really you kind of just should use the stuff out there you know yeah. like use like bcrypt or you know use standard like standard cryptographic tools um and so so it's interesting because it is it is a bit of an exercise of just like a pure knowledge exercise of of doing things we're doing things at the byte level um to encrypt and decrypt data and so that's pretty interesting and there's this this set of exercise called the crypto pals and so i have a person that i'm pairing with them on and i call him my crypto pal and so we do the Crypto Palace challenges in Scala. Cool. But is it is it a pretty friendly or or are there people that you you know what I mean like you definitely are there, have you are butt you asking, heads with are people. Are you asking if there was mean people? Yeah, like do you encounter any mean people? What I know is it? I mean, I think like, he's saying cryptography people, is intimidating. No, <laughs> that's not what he was saying. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I was just saying, like, what's the work environment at Hacker School? Because we were talking about like, encountering people. Uh, hackathons and working with them and oh yeah i mean well and how you find somebody can be kind of hard because mm-hmm. you did like i mean a lot of people are really into like people you know you get a bunch of smart people and you have a lot of people who have imposter syndrome and so you it's kind of hard to tease out what they're interested in or what they're working on um like it took you know it took like four weeks for some someone to figure out that i was working on swift stuff and they were like oh let's pair and then he was secretly like really good at Swift and taught me like five things in a two hour session of pairing. And it was like, why didn't I know this before? Um, and so there's a bit of that, like it's just kind of finding the people. And I think it's, it, that can be fun too. I mean, I, I don't have as much of a problem with that cause I'm really social. And so, so it, I, if I can get people to talk to me and then I can find out what they're doing, then I can, you know, see if we can work together. Um, but 
other people who aren't as social kind of, I don't know how they do it. They might like just kind of get connected by a facility. Like it's one of those things that facilitators can help out with too, because they generally are supposed to kind of like observe and see what other people are, are focusing on and kind of know what's going on so that they can connect people. But yeah. And then some people also just work alone and that's totally fine too. I was thinking about cryptography still. Um, I, I think, are you are you like bit shifting in your head? <laughs> no, I was I was thinking about like how um, like you should use everything off the shelf, but it's also good to know like what's available. So I I know about like uh, password hashing, which is naive, and then I know about bcrypt, and I know I should be using bcrypt when I store a password if I have to store a password. Um, this might be obvious to some people, but I didn't know about like how signing worked, and I was on a project where I had to. Uh, I thought I had to encrypt data between two services to prevent it from being modified, but I actually didn't care if the user could see the data. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't changed. So then I learned about HMACs and signing and how you can verify that something hasn't changed with a second piece of information. So that was like a good thing to like add to my, you know, software development toolbox. What was the project? Uh, it was a client project. Oh. It, it was getting uh, a list of rooms to subscribe to. Um, the backend's not important, but it was, it was like RabbitMQ rooms and um, uh, Socket.io or Primus.io um, WebSockets from, from a Node.js server. And then uh, Rails was giving the JavaScript client a list of rooms that it should connect to. And then that was asking the Node.js server, like, hey, give me these, these rooms to connect to. And since they're separate services, the Node.js server had to verify or, I guess, ensure that the, the rooms were not modified from when Rails gave it to, to the JavaScript client, to the browser. So if you, if you sign it with the same key and then you re-sign it on the Node.js side, and if the signatures match, then it hasn't changed. You don't really care if the user has access from the Node.js side. You just care that you got a, something you know came from a trusted source. There's lots of articles recently, too, about how um, we shouldn't be... We do a lot of things in the database. What was that art? I'll, try, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. But it was an article about how um, we do a lot of things and we, we build a lot of like columns in a database or these server-side things to... Like password resets, for example. Once they reset their password, all you need to know is that um, they have a password reset token and that that token was given to them by a server and that has not been changed by anybody else. So you need to validate that this user wants to reset their password and it went through the like it went through their email client essentially. You send them an email and they click on the link. Usually you store like a token in a database and then you need to about like claiming the token up and expiring it. But this article is essentially saying that you don't need to do any of that. You can just create all the information you need in a single string and email it to the user. And when they click on it, then the browser can validate all the information that's uh, inside of it. So the string would say something like reset password for this user ID uh, expiring at this time, and here's the, uh, the signature of, of that request. And will the browser then recreate those things and check the signature? Well, or I mean, like... the, the server side will, will, will check that okay. um, when the user clicks the link. But then you don't need to store anything in a database saying this user wants to reset the password, here's the token, here's when it expires, do I, do I delete it? Um, did they try less, to reset it multiple times? Yeah. Less code. Yeah, but it was just a different way of thinking about it because we're used to doing it the other way. One of my goals is understanding OpenSSL because every so often it breaks and I never know how to fix it. On your machine? Yeah. Or like it'll just blow up with these errors. I'm just like, oh, what does it mean? Is it when you're installing Ruby or something? Yeah. Or upgrading Ruby and it's just like, oh my god. 
Open is uh, failing. No one can work. <clears throat> do you guys use uh, Heroku a lot? I do. Did you see that the uh, free tier is going away? Is nah, it? No, really? It's April Fool's, man. No, 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 no. Seriously, it is. Uh, no, wait, why? No, why, I saw the new pricing page, but I didn't think the free tier was going away. Wait, does this mean well, that, so there still this mean is that free... everyone's going to flee to Red Hat? To Red Hat. Uh, probably not. Uh-oh, I don't think so. <laughs> You're like a fleeing that no one worries about. <laughs> So there's still going to be a that? free tier. So if your app isn't used very much, it'll be fine. But it won't. It, you can't keep your app on 24 hours. Like it can only be on 12 hours a day. Oh, they don't give you the full month. They're giving like half a month. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you're like if you've like a client site or something, and you're like working on it from like nine to five, you'll be you'll be fine. Uh, but if you have something, uh, or you're using the Pingdom hack where you're, you have your one free dyno and you're making sure that it never shuts down because with Heroku on their free tier, if an app doesn't get a request in, I think it's five minutes, uh, it goes, it, the, the VM gets shut down. And then when it receives a request, uh, it has to start up and however long the app takes to start, uh, is how long that first request is going to take. So yeah, basically you can't keep. Uh, something running for more than 12 hours a day for free. What? It was like the first story in Hacker News today. I don't read Hacker News. Lobsters led lobsters. I also don't read Hacker News. Well, this is why no no one knows that Heroku's not free anymore. <laughs> I mean, well, let's see. The, the, here's the obnoxious, like, this is really annoying. People say this, but I don't have to read Hacker News because I wait for all the other people who read Hacker News to tell me the things that are important. And I just involve, like, like Len. I just just like Len. And I just avoid all the stupid like echo chamber nonsense that happens on Hacker News of like, oh well, I don't know. I've been doing Rails for about two months, so I think I know more than you. Like, oh well I never I never read the comments. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I mean but still I'm just not gonna give them traffic because it's just a cesspool. Because like that's how the things get to the front page is because they have the evil comments, you know. So like you're benefiting from the evilness even if you don't go look at the evilness one. Like I'm not saying that you shouldn't look at Hacker News because then you can tell me things, but like I am saying that Hacker News isn't cool. Have you all heard of a tool called Panda? No. Which one? There's like like eight things called Panda. That's true. I learned about a data structure called Panda tonight. Or is it pandas? Um. So, is it the Py the Python library, the journalism project? Which one? It's like a reading tool that you can you make columns just like TweetDeck, and each column has a site. So you should drop a have, link. I will. Why? Oh, did you think of this because you were talking about lobsters and you were thinking about other websites that are named after animals? <laughs> no, no, no. It's just a way that you can read lobsters. Should we go and in? Should we, like, at the same can time. we? Can we go? Can we start? Can we start startups just working through the animal kingdom? There's a grizzly, isn't there? A grizzly? There's got to be a grizzly. Grizzly. I feel like that sounds like a startup name. a startup? Name. Yeah, definitely. There has to be a grizzly. Or like a tool that came out of a startup. Yeah. Um, koala. Narwhal. <laughs> Narwhal. I'm trying to find this Roku article again. Lent I looked at it. I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some company, though, will make it so easy to pull your own server that you won't need to use Roku anymore. Is that company HashiCore? <laughs> <laughs> hope so so it's going it's going well your your new start yeah it's it's great i uh i'm in san francisco right now which i learned to call san francisco not san fran 
Yeah, I, I learned that from working with people in San Francisco. They really, really hate that. Um, I deployed my first day, which which was a goal of mine. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard to find paleo food in San Francisco, I feel like, at least for breakfast. At least did in the you, financial district. Do you eat toast? So, do I eat toast? No. You got to go get toast. Yeah. At least, because apparently San Francisco has this toast thing going on. Where they make I you, like, don't, cool don't pay money for toast. Don't do that. I heard about an oatmeal restaurant here in New York. I also walked past a a porridge restaurant, I think. Or maybe it was the oatmeal restaurant. I don't know. I just know that I I had to text my friend and I was like, I just saw that this restaurant is a thing that exists. What the hell is Brooklyn? Like that you can have like a porridge restaurant. That's something that you make at home. You make oatmeal at home. If you can't make oatmeal at home, like learn. There's a really good waffle truck in New York, right? I mean, waffles are awesome. That's a totally it's different yellow, thing. It's yellow, and it's, he only says Belgian waffles. Yeah, I mean... I think the same argument about anything, though. No, like, no, no. There's, no, no, no. there's no, no, ramen restaurants. You can make ramen at home for 20 cents. No, that's oh, not the no, same. No, that's totally different. <laughs> it's not the that's same. That's totally different. Like, like, oatmeal made by someone else is, I would argue, you know, pretty statistically indifferent from what I would make at my house. I feel that's what use, you think, They generally use right? water. No, they generally use water. They often would use the same kind of oats, and then we end up with the same thing. It's artisanal oatmeal. Oh, whatever. No, it's not. It's Bob's Red Mill, probably. It's like the, the dude that's selling peanut butter sandwiches in the peanut butter truck. He makes his own peanut butter. And then like, I can a make a butter truck. There's a peanut butter truck. And you sell I mean, actually, I, I, have, I have tried some of those artisanal peanut butters, and they're actually really delicious. Although I have never bought a sandwich from them. Because it would be a peanut butter sandwich. It's like peanut butter, bananas, and some other thing, and you're like, oh, this is so good. I mean, if you that's that's a little bit more work because if you put that on a panini press and had like like so the bananas were were hot, that'd be pretty good. Mm. Like a pressed banana and peanut butter sandwich. Those sound pretty good. So what did you deploy? Uh, Atlas. Yeah. Can you talk about the feature? Or? Uh, I just uh, I made it so that when you type in a provider, it doesn't. Require a technical provider anymore? You can just pick one. Mm. Well, I found after the fact that it doesn't work in Safari, just Chrome and Firefox. <laughs> it's an HTML5 thing. But don't you only use Safari? How did you not know that? Uh, I actually was te- I, I test apps usually in Chrome because I use okay. technical mode, and Chrome has a I think generally accepted better inspector than Safari. Mm. Um, yeah, I've been keeping a list of like things that I've noticed working with HashiCorp products over the past month or so, and then that's like an easy one to do first. Yeah, it's going really well. Uh, everybody here is really nice. Uh, there's six people uh, in in the office, which is the most I've ever had. Um, yeah, it's great. So so far in your development lifetime, has this been the easiest developer environment to spin up? Because this is what your company is about. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, honestly, like some of the things, the ways it. Uh, yeah, everything is not a uh, not roses. I'll just say that. Um, I will say that they have the best onboarding process I've ever had. They have like a document that's like, here's what you need to know your first week. And there's like a checklist. You need to do all these things. And then like everything, every time somebody in your first week or two would tell you something, somebody has wrote that down somewhere and, and put it like in a checklist or anything you to do. Like even something as small as like, I guess, I guess this isn't really small, but like filling out your, uh, your W2, W4, whatever it's called, W9, um, your tax form, like. That's all like mostly automated, and um, then there's things like you should do these things your first week. Like you should contribute to one of our open source projects, and you should fix some documentation. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a really pleasant onboarding experience. They really nailed that. 
Cool. Also, I didn't know that you could do all these things digitally, like fill out your tax forms. There's a, there's a service called Zenefits, Z-E-N. Um, and you can like fill out all your tax info and your um, em- employee info in your browser. Startup life. <laughs> I mean, any company could adopt that, right? Yeah, I'm just saying like there's a startup for everything right now, I guess. Or most things. Also, I learned that Pennsylvania has like the most messed up taxes compared to every other state. They were relieved out of New Jersey. <laughs> Why were you messing with Pennsylvania taxes? Uh, I, I just was mentioning that I was from Philadelphia. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm the eastmost HashiCorp employee, unless one of them is in New York at the time, but usually not. East Coast is the best coast. Yeah, tell them that. We use Slack. Slack is for family. Makes me feel home. Uh, I hate Slack. You do? I, could, I don't hate Slack. It's just so colorful and like kitty. Uh, I don't know. It's different than hip. You can change the theme. You make it like I, I have dark, the dark theme, theme and I like stripped out a bunch of things. But just and you, and you made it like I, all goth and angry, and <laughs> you put some like pentagrams around just to you know try to what's that store called? Um, oh, hot topic. Yeah, I tried to hot topic up the place. I just feel like it's just uh, it's too, too cute. You hate cute yeah. things. Yeah, I think it is like, I think it is surprisingly user friendly if you have never used a chat app before. But if you've been mm. using chat apps for the past three, four years, you'll probably have a hard time finding things because you're used to a Bad broken interface. workflow. You might you might say. So what are well, some I mean, things? Since we since we mentioned lobsters, I obviously had I re- recently just fallen into a lobster hole, um, and it's funny that you mentioned the like you mentioned Slack because um, one of the posts on lobsters was about like that the about setting up a public Slack community for for Sakadio, and that in just two weeks they had four hundred users, and just like it just dramatically outpaced their IRC server. Yeah, server everybody in like terms of traffic defends like, like, IRC. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, I understand. Like, it's like I I do I, I love how IRC was an open thing, but like quite honestly, I just was not on IRC a lot. Um, and like I'm on the node, like there's like a node advisory board. And so I, like it made it very accessible for me to get involved in, in the, the standardization of node that's happening right now, which is really cool. And so as much as I, I don't like that it's a private system and like, it's pretty scary to like throw all that data there is. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a security breach last week. Yeah. 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 And like they, like in this, like, I think people should pay attention to that. And especially since, like, since they make you create a new account for every single team that you're on, <laughs> like, so then they, you know, theoretically have lots of data points, even if you're making, if you're, like, using a bunch of your different passwords for every single one, like, they got all of them. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, if you're, like, every, like, in, like, a large percentage of the world and reuse any password, even though, you know, like, we aren't supposed to, but many, most people do, um, so, so IRC was IRC was awesome, you know, when I had a tower computer that was on all all the time, you know. So it really sucks not having persistent chat. And I know there's like IRC cloud that you can pay five dollars a month for. Yeah, I tried that and it was a terrible interface. Yeah, it's really ugly actually. So do you think one of the things about Slack is you and there's most likely there's a picture of you and then it's probably your real name. So you're you're kept that's honest, a, and that's you're an not. interesting point. I mean, I think that's a good side. I think that's a good side benefit for the the public community chats. But there's also a lot of. I think you know. 
I think one of the benefits too, which is like, is one of those things where like people have tried to do this so many times and have failed. But the the idea that people want to have the ability to create private ad hoc communities on the internet and be able to control who has access. Um, you know, I've I've kind of like I like as I learn more about network engineering, I'm kind of like, when are we going to have internets and not just the internet? And you know, mm. who will who will control which internets you get access to? And like and so like community like being able to have gated communities on the internet is one form of that and like there there's always been some but you know like they've always like always wax and wane you know like Jews or like what like the link link one the one where you could make like random communities but like I think that like it's very appealing for Slack to to make make ad hoc communities like that yeah GroupMe tried to do that a couple of years ago we use GroupMe for organizing podcast stuff but they never really caught on. Yeah, I know. Like, they're. I'm glad they're still up, and I think they're very really useful. But yeah, I think I think that their use case kind we of. Really, got we really, we really could by. move to WhatsApp if we wanted. Well, I was going to say that I've adopted WhatsApp. Yeah, I was going to say GroupMe kind of got eclipsed by WhatsApp and Snapchat. Snapchat is where it's at. Are you even to, on? Are you? Are you? I, I am on Snapchat. Nah. Yeah, I am. Do you, do you like publish your your? Username. I noticed that that's like I've never gotten on Snapchat. And I know some people will be like like tweet their Snapchat username just I guess like in hopes that someone's gonna like <laughs> I don't know. Please talk to me. No, yeah, like I'll, I'll send you like, a picture see. of my cat. Like that's what I'll do. Yeah. Looking. So I I used to not see the point of it. Like I had a coworker who I'd see him taking pictures in the middle of the day. I was like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm taking snapshots. Like oh, that's so annoying. And then he got me to sign up for it. And some of my other coworkers are on it too. And it's just funny sometimes to get like a random Snapchat of like what that person is doing. It's not really like a benefit to it. I guess the benefit's humor, but like I enjoy it now, I have to say. Mm. I don't use Snapcash. Do you what? send everyone pictures of the squirrel outside your window? <laughs> I did that daily daily I squirrel had, report. Before I had a Snapchat. I occasionally get these pictures. I'll just say online or somebody will text me one where it's like a picture. And then across the middle of the picture is a... That like, is a Snapchat. He- yeah, I was going to say heavily like translucent black bar with some words in it. And it has like the fucking ugliest typography. It's like, why would anybody use this? And then I, and then I found out later it's Snapchat. <laughs> you can change that. You can make it bigger or you can use like clock font. No, like... It always looks ugly and janky every time somebody sent it to me. The ca- they also do something with the pictures. Like they mess with the quality of it so it's not your true quality that your camera would take so hmm. but yeah and they probably don't delete it so don't send any pictures you don't want <laughs> not deleted top secret squirrel picture mm-hmm. so. Slack's but, also really easy to write a bot for yeah that was a pretty cool API people developers really like it I used to not like GroupMe and now I love GroupMe so I'm sure I'll love Slack in like a month <laughs> I think if you use it for work, you would like it a lot. Probably. I think, I think using it like in your off time for other things like the Philly Dev Chat, you don't really get the full. Yeah, because at work, I'm using HipChat all the time. And then I'm tabbing through and I'll be like, oh, I have a Slack message. Oh, I have to go to this colorful icon and like scroll to the place that somebody mentioned me. And... It'd be cool to see metrics on like when uh, HipChat has downtime, how many people migrate to Slack. <laughs> HipChat has a lot of downtime. They do. Yeah. Can't connect to our servers right now. It's kind of interesting that Slack came out like about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago. 
And it, uh, it, it kind of made a big... It came out public a little over a year ago. It was in beta mm. in the fall of 2013. Because I remember I was on a beta team. And so when it came out publicly, people were like, oh my god! I was like, huh? What? There's this thing. We've been using it for like four months. Yeah, the Indie Hall Slack's been around forever. Yeah, it yeah came out that was, that was who, what I was referring to. They were in the beta. And people really liked it and people started using it, but I didn't really hear about it again until a couple of months ago when all of a sudden all these communities started using it. And it really blew up. But yeah, back to uh, the Sakurai thing, Pam. The I've seen a lot of people try to make that same thing where you can like self sign up for Slack Room, but that's like the first one that I've seen that actually is a really good implementation of it. So oh, I'm, of I'm the, the the public Slack sign up. Yeah, by Guillermo Roche. Oh, like, the the link I dropped. Yeah, Slacking. Yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting because I know that for the Philly Dev, they came up with a custom solution that was. I mean, it worked. Yeah, I'm glad they they made it. But it was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool though. It was pretty cool. It was it was it's it's macros in Google Sheets, <laughs> like which I just like. I mean, that's cool. Like, it's still totally a valid, awesome form of programming. Like, it works. Whatever. Somebody you know? was like, "Please find the style sheet for this page." I was like, uh, for what page? What are you talking about? Oh, the they Philly were Dev commenting on the Philly Dev Slack page. It's like, oh, please find us. Oh, the it's, the it's home a, page, the home page for Philly Dev. It's a Google form, so it's not the prettiest thing. No, yeah, the Google form is pretty because it's Google forms. Mm. Are you guys ready for picks? I don't know. Are we, Len? Uh, I'll pick Slack. <laughs> You're gonna pick Slack? What? Pick Slack. Ooh, really? Fucking no. He wanted to do that so fast. So fast. He's like, I don't. He's like, guys, it's eleven o'clock. Oh, oh, oh! I have a pick. I have a pick. I just thought of a pick. Right. I didn't have a pick. Now I have a pick. Um, my pick is Indigo, which is Philadelphia's bike share, which has a launch date, and you can now give them money so you can become a member. And I am so happy to throw money at them. And so I'm already, I already got my membership. My membership card is going to my apartment in Philadelphia. I'm super happy. So does that mean I so, could like take Paco to Center City and then bike to Indy Hall? Completely. Awesome. But you That's have a, a perfect bike, use case. I have a what? Pam has, a, why did you get a membership? Well, because you don't want to Because I want to throw money at them. Because I also want to throw money at them. <laughs> and I want, I like bike share and I want it to exist. And so I, I use my money to vote for things I want. And so I like bike share and so I throw money at them. Anyway, it's also great to like if you want to like bike one way and not bike the other way, like if you're going out or something, like I like bike share a lot. And it's only it's 15 bucks a month for unlimited riding for like you get an hour's ride for free, like completely worth it for 15 bucks a month compared to like a SEPTA pass. Like that's a huge deal. Do you need a membership or can you just ad hoc purchase a bike for you can. Um, the the walk up is four dollars for a half hour, so it makes a lot more sense to to just have a membership. Yeah, but, maybe. So wait, if you if you took a bike to like like Justin was saying, the Indy Hall, could you just leave it there, or are you getting charged like for the hour? Like, oh, you, you'd be charged for the hour, but like Indy Hall is in such a place that there would be docks nearby that you could dock it because it's a bike share system, not a bike rental system. So it's about like taking a bike, using it for a short period of time, and then returning it so that other people can use the bike. Is it New York that Chase Bank has the really popular bike share? It is the City Bank City Bike. Oh, uh, City Bank. So I, I've only been in New York a few times, but when I was there last, I was walking around and saw these like bike stations where you could just go up and pay and get a bike. Yeah, it's like that. And, and they, so you can so you can so the $4 for half an hour is just a, 
whenever you want. Um, but you can also get a membership that is the annual the annual cost of the membership is ten dollars, um, and then it's four dollars per hour instead of four dollars per half hour, and you get a key, so you don't have to use your credit card at the station. Who sponsors Philly? In a, uh, Independence Blue Cross Blue Shield. Okay. A key That's is like an electronic key. Yeah. Okay. Not like a metal key. <laughs> no, it's like a, it's a key that you put into the, the into the the terminal. I I used to be a member and when I lived in DC of the DC Bike Share, and so I was a big fan. And I I think it's almost I mean it's you know it's super useful if you have a bicycle honestly just because there's definitely lots of times where you like if you're gonna go meet up with friends or something who don't ride bikes then you don't want to have to like you know, unlock your bike when you walk from dinner to the theater or something like, like it just makes things easier a lot of times just to be able to, to ride a bike and then dock it. So I pick Indigo and if you're in Philadelphia, throw money at them. So my pick is a board game pick. I'm going to pick one night werewolf. You picked something, Lynn. I didn't really pick Slack. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to pick one night werewolf. Uh, my new favorite kind of filler game uh i really like it so if you're familiar with games like werewolf or the resistance it's basically just lying and social manipulation and deduction and the thing i really like about one night werewolf is that uh it's basically one one round of actions you manipulate a bunch of cards and then you try to figure out who did what and you have a timer so you have five or seven minutes to figure out uh who you think the werewolf is so uh, it's really great and then that you can predict exactly how long the game's going to take so if you have 10 minutes you know you can get around in uh and it's really fun to lie to your friends justin do you have a pick I'm going to pick the movie Interstellar. Oh, I just watched that on my flight. Uh, what did you think? I liked it a lot. It's pretty epic. I don't talk too much about it because I don't want to get any spoilers, but there's just so many like amazing, like huge moments. And the soundtrack, Hans Zimmer, is just awesome. Awesome. So awesome. I was listening to it today while I was working. I was trying out Spotify, which, by the way, is a piece of shit. What? what? I was Spotify all day, all day. It's terrible. Terrible app, terrible service. Oh, uh, you got to go to RDO, but... It's so harsh to call it a piece of shit. <laughs> you know what? You know what it was? It's actually my own fault, but <laughs> I, I brew cask installed Spotify. Uh, uh, and then Spotify ran an, I'm not actually sure if that was the issue or not, but Spotify ran an update and I'm pretty sure it flagged itself to like when it quits to restart itself. So that's how the update installs. Cause I got this pop up that said, Hey, uh, restart the app to install your update. Click here. So I click there, uninstall the app. A little bit later, I closed the app, and then it relaunches itself. And I spent, like, 20 minutes trying to get rid of this <laughs> to, to quit Spotify and have it not come back. Uh, but then I, I realized that Brewcast actually added a launch control, so that it was always running. <laughs> uh, I'll try it again. Also, I was trying to sign up for uh, a Tron membership, and their credit card form was all janky, mm. which seems like a pretty important part of their login flow to take money from people. Well, they don't pay their artists, so you know, they don't need to make money. Is that what the what's the other thing? T something. Title. Tight. I so I use Title. Okay. Uh, and the quality is really good. Uh huh. But they had some downtime recently, and they did not treat it well. And their app also sucks. Um, which is why I think RDO, who I used to have, is still still number one. But Title is pretty good. Um, title is Jay Z's music service. He just bought. He bought it. It wasn't his oh. his thing. Um, but the cool thing about title is uh, they create these playlists that are curated, and I get to discover a lot of music that way. So like 
they'll do like a Wisconsin, like music from Wisconsin or like when hip hop meets jazz and I'll discover a bunch of stuff. But it's also super expensive and I'm not sure if it's worth it. So they're advertising that they're lossless. Didn't didn't they do some like blind audio panels where people couldn't tell there's between two fifty six MP threes and this stuff? So like even even audio files couldn't tell the difference? I don't remember. I, that sounds familiar, but the quality is better. I don't know if it's truly lossless. So when I got my headphones, my newer headphones, was that around the same time I got I got that service, and it sounds it sounds significantly better. Everything just seems sounds clearer. Also, Spotify Free doesn't have high bit rate, so that sounds like shit too. Compared to like iTunes Radio, sounds great. Unrelated, but I ordered an Amazon Echo, which is the Bluetooth speaker slash Siri. Nah, really? What were you going to say, The Creepy Always On device. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, I'm a Prime member, so I got it for, like, half price. And even if I only use it as a speaker, it's a really good good deal for for a speaker that good. Uh, How much is it half price? 99. Okay. I bought a Bluetooth speaker that was probably not as good sounding for, like, twice that, so... Uh, but I plan to put it in the kitchen and just have it there for music and asking at things. I always I always need to use Siri while I'm cooking, and it's always a pain to like push the button or plug it in and do the Hey Siri. And if it's across the room, it never really hears me right. So I'm excited to like look up ingredient conversions or other things. And so if we're being honest with ourselves, how good do you think it's going to work? Uh, their video is pretty impressive. Okay. They, and they they claim that like because they have a microphone array that they do they call it far field voice recognition. So Siri needs to hear you pretty clearly to understand what you're saying. Uh, and it can only be like a few feet from you, or you're or you're yelling. But apparently with Echo, you can just talk normally from across the room, and it will hear you. Okay. I'll let you I'll let you know in uh, I guess six to eight weeks when I get it. Cool. Giovanni, <laughs> pick. Uh, yeah, my programming pick is a podcast called Functional Geekery. Ooh. Uh, I wish to re- publish more. I'm caught up on it. I just want more. Uh, so it's a pro- uh, podcast about functional programming, and he's had some pretty awesome guests. Um, yeah, I'll just start from zero or episode one and catch up from there. Then my music pick is uh, the new Minus Mouse album, Strangers to Ourselves. It's pretty good, especially track number two. Uh, yeah. Cool. That's I, did, it. I just saw Passion Pit has an album coming out soon. I'm pretty excited. Mm-hmm. So show notes are at turing.cool slash 45. Follow us on Twitter at turingcool. And I'll talk to you guys next week. And buy stickers. Yeah. At cost. See ya. Bye.